The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Good morning, PCC, and welcome to our online service. Really great that you can be with us, even though we're not physically together, we're still spiritually together. And especially if you are checking us out, you're new online watching this message just want to extend a warm welcome to you. My name is Lewis. I'm one of the pastors here at Paramount Christian Church. Now, while I was watching last week's sermon, it was really encouraging, and I was with my girls, and my girls said to me, Daddy, are you going to be on TV next week? And I said, well, I'm going to be on the TV screen. And so excitedly, they said to me, hey, can you just do a shout out? And so Kaylee, hello. Annabelle, hello. Maddie, hello. Love you heaps. Make sure you pay attention to Daddy's sermon this morning. Well, church, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and grab those and turn to Daniel chapter 10, the passage that we find ourselves in as we continue our series that we've entitled His Kingdom Reigns. And before we jump into the Word, I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you, Lord God, for this time that even though we're not physically together, we're spiritually one in Christ. Lord, I pray that this Word from Daniel 10, which is so relevant and helpful, may encourage each of us as we consider it. Lord, I pray that you would transform us by the renewal of our minds, that you would speak fresh, encouraging words to each heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I was with a good friend of mine a couple of months ago. In fact, he's my mentor, and he lives in Wollongong. And so I catch up with him once every two months. And this particular occasion, a couple of months ago, I was with him and he said, Lewis, I've been reflecting on a series of talks that I think would really benefit you, really help you with your spiritual leadership and uh, development. And so I thought, okay, sweet, I will listen to those talks. And so when I jumped in the car to return to Sydney, of course, I had an hour or so to kill. So I decided to put on the first message in the series. And let me tell you, it was really, really helpful. It ministered to me, enriched me in many ways. In fact, I've listened to that same message like two or three times. But the first time I listened to the message as I was driving back to Sydney, this is what I noticed. The preacher, and I'm not knocking him, it was a really great sermon, but for the first 15 to 20 minutes, it was just introduction. It was a super helpful, super relevant introduction, but it was an introduction nonetheless. In Daniel chapter 10, this is exactly what we find. This is a long introduction, but a super helpful introduction that sets up the fourth and final vision that is unpacked for us in chapters 11 and 12 of Daniel, which we'll consider next week. Even though this is a long, fairly long introduction, that shouldn't put us off or discourage us. There is so much to glean from this chapter. And so the question I want us to reflect on this morning as we gather in our homes is this. What does this chapter, this passage, this introductory chapter mean to teach us as we navigate life as God's people? Even as we navigate life in this pretty complex, anxious point in human history. Well, I believe Daniel 10 teaches us at least three timely truths, timeless truths that I'm going to sum up by three propositional statements. And so here's the first statement. Here's the first timeless truth. Loyalty to God may prove more difficult than we suppose. Loyalty to God, being faithful, committed to him, may prove more difficult than we realize. In verse 1 of Daniel 10, this is what we read. 
in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. That was his Babylonian name. Its message was true. God's revelation, God's truth is always true. And it concerned a great war. Now, that's what we're going to focus on in just a minute. This great war. What does that mean? The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. Now, this phrase, great war, when translated in Hebrew, it means warfare. It involves the word, the Hebrew word is sabah, and it includes experiencing suffering, experiencing tribulation. And of course, in context, when we reflect on chapters 11 and 12, those who are suffering are the people of God, this warfare, even this demonic warfare that they're undergoing. What believers have always understood, and what we even today as Christians need to understand, is that to be a follower, an apprentice of Jesus Christ, carriers of his word, means that we will experience a level of pushback, cultural conflict. In other words, this is the norm. When you come to Scripture, especially in the New Testament, we find that this is the norm, not the exception, that being loyal to Jesus may prove more difficult than we suppose. For example, Jesus, in John chapter 16, he says this to us in verse 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Now, the word trouble means tribulation. It means to experience a level of pushback. But he says, he goes on and says, but take heart, that is, don't lose heart, continue to trust me, continue to be loyal to me. I have overcome the world. That's the wonderful promise. But the truth remains that if we are following Christ, if we're pushing into Jesus, then we will experience a level of cultural pushback. That's to be expected. As I said, it's the norm, not the exception. In Philippians chapter 1, funny thing, Maddie called it the other day the book of Philippines, not the book of Philippians, but this is what Paul says in verse 29 of chapter 1. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, which is massive, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Now, I know we're pretty cool with the first part of the verse, trusting in Christ. That's an awesome privilege, of course. That means that when we come to Christ, we're forgiven. When we trust in him, we experience this down payment of the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing this future inheritance that Peter says in First Peter won't fade, it won't spoil, it won't diminish. All that's fantastic, and we need to celebrate that as Christians. But Paul says it's also a privilege when we suffer for Jesus. I mean, what is Paul on about here? What, what's in his mind? Well, I think what's in his mind is that being Lord of Christ will mean pushback, and that should be a cause for praise. If you remember the believers in the book of Acts, when they experienced hostility from the Sanhedrin, they run back to the other disciples and they were praising God because they were deemed their words worthy of suffering for the name. When we suffer for Christ in this life, that shows that we are the people of God. If we experience pushback, that means that we have pushed into Jesus enough to actually be his faithful, loyal witnesses and servants, his faithful ambassadors. You know, one of the chief responsibilities of pastors is to prepare their people for the privilege of suffering. And it is a privilege, but sometimes we don't like to think about this. Sometimes it's hard to consider it. And also as parents, we need to prepare our kids, especially when they get to high school, 
and university for this same privilege, to prepare them, because who knows, it can be really, really tough in some of our secular universities. In fact, I just heard just recently of a young gun. He was full on for Christ. He went to university with passion. He was a great witness. By the time he left university, his faith in Jesus was in tatters. We need to, as a church, as a community, the best of our ability, and also as parents, come alongside our young ones so that they can remain loyal and dedicated to Christ, even in high school, even when they go through university as well. In summary, being loyal might mean that we experience persecution and pushback, as Jesus said, in this world you all have trouble. This takes us naturally to our second point here, the second timeless truth that we see in Daniel chapter 10. And it's this, here's the second propositional statement. Prayer, because of all that I just said, is more than we suppose. That is, praying, communicating to our Heavenly Father, who the Bible calls the warrior king, is more crucial than we sometimes realize. This is why I was really thankful for Anodge's sermon last week out of Daniel chapter 9. By the way, I love the alliteration, the four R's. I don't know where you got that from. That was fantastic, but really, really encouraging. And Daniel 10 reminds us of this same truth that we need to be a people of prayer. Just check out verse 2. At that time, I, this is Daniel speaking, mourned for three weeks. Now, why did he mourn? Well, first, let's consider what his mourning consisted of. Verse 3. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotion at all until the three weeks were over. And so Daniel's humility, his mourning, looked like him giving up fine dining. He went to no Persian restaurants, right? We can all understand his dilemma this time. And also he went without aftershave. Why? Because of verse 12, this is what we read. This angelic being arrives after Daniel has, has been mourning and done all that I just mentioned. And he says these words to Daniel in verse 12. Then he said, don't be afraid. Since the first day you began to what? Pray. Pray for understanding. Your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. And so the reason why Daniel went into his prayer closet for three weeks, his extended period of time, was to pray, 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 pray. And we can really reflect on what he was praying for. We can discern two reasons, two relevant reasons for why he was praying. One obvious one, less obvious, we'll tackle the less obvious one first. Daniel, it seems, was praying for strength, not only for himself, but also for other Israelites whom he knew were suffering. You see, there's a backstory, and it's this. Daniel had been in the king's service, and it's highly likely that he would have been aware of the situation that was happening back home in Jerusalem. What was that situation? Well, for us to find out, we need to consider the history that Ezra explains and details at the beginning of Ezra, Ezra chapter 1, we read of how God stirred the heart of Cyrus, King Cyrus, so much so that he sends some of these Israelites back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. But when we arrive at Ezra chapter 4, these believers are in a difficult situation. 
they're being persecuted. The surrounding people weren't happy with them rebuilding the temple of Yahweh. And so they seek to frighten them and discourage them. Now, there was no social media back here, but the news traveled back eventually to the king's court. And we're told that Daniel, in Daniel 1.21, he used to work in the king's palace. And so he would have understood about what was happening to his fellow countrymen. And so what does Daniel do? He couldn't go there. At this stage, he would have been about 80 years old, probably frail and weak. And so he does what we ought to do when we experience trouble or when we hear of trouble further afield. He goes straight into his prayer closet and he prays and he prays for strength. He calls on God, God, would you fill these people with your enabling power? And of course, when you read Ezra, that's what you witness over and over again. Even though there was struggle, even though there was opposition, God's empowering presence was there was there with the leaders, equipping them to finish the job. And they did. They got that task, the assignment completed. There's a lot that we can glean from this, but the thing I want to highlight is that we too, in moments like these, we need to pray for strength as well. We need to pray for strength as we think about our fellow brothers and sisters further afield who are being persecuted. We need to pray like Daniel prayed for these persecuted believers We need to ask God that they would remain dedicated to him, loyal to him, regardless of what they're experiencing. We also, in addition, need to pray for Christians, not only in persecuted areas, but also in secular areas like our own. We don't experience as much persecution as these guys did and other Christians around the world do, but there is a different type of tribulation that we encounter in the West, in in our secular nations. We experience apathy this pressure that comes from the culture. And so we need to pray for strength as well, that we won't cave in. Our faith is not thinned out through secularism. Also, in addition, we need to pray for Christians in uncertain places, not only persecuted or secular places, but in uncertain places as well, of course, of what's happening around the globe. A lot of Christians are struggling. There's a lot of uncertainty, unrest, anxiety. And we need to pray, God, would you strengthen us and strengthen your church around the world so that we as your people remain hopeful, that we remain joyful. In fact, a really good prayer of strength that we could pray for ourselves and our families and PCC and the church body universal is found in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. In fact, Natalie has been homeschooling the girls and she's been teaching this, this verse to our girls. So they've been memorizing this. This is an incredible little prayer. This is what Paul prays. and This is what we ought to pray at times like these. I pray that God, listen to this, the source of all hope. Now just picture as you're sitting there on your couch listening to me, just picture God as an ocean an ocean of hope. He's got inexhaustible wisdom and power and resources. We continue. The God, the source of all hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Now, I don't know about you, but I want some of this. I'm sure we all need this at this time, this joy, this peace that we may be completely filled as we trust in him. Notice as we remain loyal and dedicated, committed to him. Here's the promise. Then, Paul says, you will overflow with confident hope. How incredible. God, this ocean of hope can pour out this hope 
this certain assurance, this certain hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful prayer. What a wonderful promise. And you know, when we pray this way, when we experience this bounty from God, guess what's going to happen? We're going to radiate and reflect the light and the love of Jesus to those around us. Times like these, it's exactly what we need to do. We need to be a people of hope in a situation with a lot of despair and hopelessness. We need to be a people of peace where people are so anxious. Someone called the office the other day, not a food care member, but she was inquiring about food care. And I said, hey, how are you doing? And she said, I'm so anxious. So I can't sleep at night. I'm isolated. And I've reached out to a bunch of charities, and they've said that they can't really help at this time. And she said, are you able to help? And I said, yeah, sure. Sure, we can do something as a charity. We can put together a hamper, and I'll, I'll deliver it hand deliver it at your door. And she was like, really, you'll do that? I said, yeah, we'll do that for you. And then after that, I inquired as to whether she had a faith or not. And she said, well, she used to go to church. And so the conversation ended with me actually praying for her. And what did I pray? I prayed this prayer, that she would know the tangible peace and hope of God. And at the end, she was like, that was so good. I'm so thankful for God. I'm so thankful for you and the charity. And so again, this is how we're to pray in a situation that we find ourselves in so that we can be a people characterized by this hope. Daniel prayed for strength. We need to pray for this same strength as well. Secondly, Daniel also prayed for not only strength, but for smarts. That is, he prayed for divine discernment, divine understanding. This makes a lot of sense because in verse 12, this angelic being says to Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding. Now, of course, Daniel had received some pretty out there visions. At the end of verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 27, he says, you know, this, uh, this vision I've received from you, God, is beyond comprehension. It's beyond understanding. Who can fathom it? And then in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through to 27, he receives this really strange vision. It's really cryptic and quite vague, you know, 77s and 62 sevens. And what the heck does that mean? Well, this is why Daniel was on his face before God saying, God, you've got to help me out here. You've got to give me discernment so that I can understand your plan contained in these visions. And there, right there, is the point of application for us. Not that we receive visions like Daniel. If you do receive visions like him, maybe just keep them to yourself. But we are to pray that we will discern and understand God's plan at this time. Yes, of course, we need to exercise common sense, the whole social distancing and self-isolating if need be. But we need to go beyond that. We need to ask God, God, I need your heavenly sense. I need divine sense. Lord, how do you want me to live at this point in human history? Lord, how would you have me conduct myself? Lord God, would you give me discernment so I know how to best faithfully live for you, serve you, and hopefully love and serve others? Lord, would you give me wisdom and discernment so I know how to best serve and love my neighbor at this time? We're not too sure how long this disaster is going to go on for. Who knows? But we need to continue pray for strength as Daniel prayed. And we need to continually pray for smarts that we would understand his wisdom at this time in this hour that we find ourselves in. 
So prayer is more than we suppose. It mustn't be, as Anuel rightly said last week, the last resort. It should be the first resort, the constant resort, as we take out, I love Anuel's illustration, the garn of prayer, calling down strength, calling down discernment as we find ourselves in this tricky situation. So those are the first two propositional statements. Here's the third. This one will need a bit of explaining. There's a big point that I want us to grasp here. God's truth is more shattering than we suppose. That is, God's revelation is more overwhelming, even devastating, than we suppose. You might be sitting at home kind of thinking to yourself, or maybe you're saying out loud because I can't hear you, Lewis, what are you talking about? God's truth is more shattering than we suppose. Well, let me pull the pieces together for you. The bulk of Daniel chapter 10 concerns Daniel's encounter with this mighty, mysterious being who comes, this heavenly being who comes to Daniel to give him God's revelation, to give Daniel God's truth. And the result of this heavenly encounter is that he's completely wiped out. Literally, his humanness begins to crack under the strain. It it dismantles, it disintegrates, as it were. For example, in verse 8, now I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation here just because it brings out the richness of the narrative, and we're going to read a fair chunk of Daniel Chen here just to get this sense, his shattering experience of God's revelation. Verse 8, so I was left alone to see this amazing vision, this angelic being. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then, verse 9, I heard the man speak, so this angel looked like a man. And when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Just then, a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God, so listen carefully to what I have to say. You stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. So he's shaking like a leaf, he's white as a ghost, he's weak, all his energy has just left his body. But we continue, verse 15. While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. So he was speechless. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips and opened my mouth and began to speak. I began to speak. I said to the one standing in front of me, I'm filled with anguish. Talk about a shattering experience. Because of the vision I've seen, my Lord, and I'm very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. And so here's Daniel. He's completely wiped out. He's speechless. He's defenseless. He's powerless. He's breathless in response to this shattering revelation. In fact, in response to this shattering aspect of God's truth, one commentator, Dow Ralph Davies, he says this. He says, quote, in the Bible, one doesn't chat with Shaddai. That is, No one has a casual conversation with Almighty God. He continues by saying, even when one of the Lord's angelic servants brings the revelation, like what we find here in Daniel chapter 10, that experience is devastating anguish. In other words, there's nothing lighthearted about this heavenly visitation, this revelation that he receives. This encounter almost killed Daniel. Now, what's the point of application here for us? Well, the same writer, 
Dal Ralph Davies, he says this. He poses this question to us. He asks, where should this leave us as we consider Daniel's encounter with glory? What are we to do in response? This is what he says. Our response ought to be one of gratitude. He goes on to say, we seldom, if ever, think of it, of the horror and pain the Lord's servants endured in order to be vehicles through whom his word is passed on to us in the scriptures. Then he says, we sit comfortably at our desks or tables or at home this morning with a mug of coffee. We read the prophets and scarcely think of how Daniel was physically and emotionally wiped out. If we did, we would more readily or more highly prize and tenderly reverence what we have received, namely the Bible. You see, in summary, and I don't think this is far-fetched, this book, the Bible, is stained with the blood of God's servants, the prophets, the apostles who gave their lives up for the gospel, for the word of God, so that we could actually have it right here, right now. And of course, our response to the great sacrifice that has gone into bringing us the holy word of God ought to be one of reverence, ought to cherish this book, we're to bath the dust, we're to love it, prize it, share it, we're to memorize it, Meditate on it and obey it because how are we going to be loyal to Christ in this world full of trouble if we're not in the Word of God, if the Word of God is not actually living and abiding in us? Jesus actually makes this connection in John chapter 15 where he says, If my words abide in you, then I will abide in you. And of course, if Jesus is abiding in us, of course, we're going to want to pray. We're going to pray like Daniel prayed for strength and for discernment at this time. And of course, we'll be more inspired to live loyal lives dedicated to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But there is a correlation. If we're prayerless, that might be because we're Bibleless. We're not actually in the Word. And so let me encourage all of us, let's at this time of uncertainty be in the Word, this wonderful Word through much sacrifice that has come to us. Let's meditate on it, let's receive it so that we may be these loyal servants, these loyal ambassadors of Christ, reflecting the light and the love and the truth of Christ at this time. How about I pray? Father, thank you, Lord God, for your word. Lord, it is a miracle that we have your word. Lord, you've superintended the word. You've kept it safe, Lord God. And we have it here, Lord, to read and love and receive. Lord, thank you, God, for Daniel, his courage, Lord God, being a man of prayer. Help us, Lord, at this time be people of prayer. So, Lord, we may experience the wonder of, of Romans 15, 13, the wondrous hope, Lord God. Thank you that you're so bountiful. You're such an ocean of life and truth and love and hope. Lord, I just pray God would experience at this time more of your hope, Lord, more of your joy, which will be our strength to carry us through this situation and every situation that we face in life. Lord, bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.